was definitely nobody else out in my school. And actually, at that time, Section 28 was still in place. So I didn't know about Section 28 at that time and what it was. I don't, I don't think I'd even heard about it being 14 years old. But looking back, then teachers really weren't supposed to kind of help me in that situation, if you see what I mean, because they could have been accused of promoting homosexuality. Hello and welcome to another episode of I'm Coming Out, the podcast where people tell me, Johnny Harvey, their coming out stories. And this week's guest is the author, Lewis Laney. Lewis has worked in publishing for over a decade now. He had his first short story published in Gay Times when he was just 18. He's also written for various publications, including the iconic magazine, The Face. Lewis has just released his first book, The Little Book of Pride, which is a digestible, pocket-sized look at the history of Pride, and it has some really lovely illustrations in it to boot. I think a lot of the literature out there on Pride can be quite academic and a bit esoteric at times, so I think this book is going to be a really welcome addition and will help spread the positive message of Pride. Lewis also has another book set for release next year. It's entitled Queer Cocktails and it includes such recipes as, wait for it, a Bloody Mariah, a La Isla Benita iced tea and a Cider Minelli amongst many others. It almost feels as if it was especially written for me and it's one book I will definitely be snapping up upon its release. The podcast was recorded remotely, of course, with me in Ireland and Lewis in London. We chatted about what inspired Lewis to write a book on Pride, his teenage crushes, what it was like having a gay dad growing up, and his incredible bravery for coming out aged just 15 while still in school, and this was also during the mid-90s. You can get in touch with me by emailing me at johnny at imcomingoutpod.com and tweet me at imcomingoutpod. I would love to hear your feedback on the podcast. With each episode, hopefully I am improving as an interviewer. I sounded really awkward and nervous in the beginning. I probably still do a bit, but I think I'm starting to get more confident and comfortable. So thanks for sticking with me. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating, review and subscribe as it really helps me and other people to discover the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening and here it is. Hello Lewis, welcome to my podcast. How are you today? Hi there, I'm really good thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm a bit disoriented and discombobulated i think it's because i'm really starting to miss the gym now oh yeah me too actually that's that's one of the things that i'm missing the most during lockdown is the gym i've been trying to do some workouts in the garden but i just don't feel as motivated home workouts just aren't as effective well for someone like me maybe if i knew more or knew what i was doing but i'm just not getting the same buzz from them at all yeah, it's it's kind of similar to me. I, f- I feel like I know what I'm doing, but I don't have the equipment. And, and I, I'm a person yeah. that used to go to the gym before work. So I would go on my way to work, do a workout for about 40, 45 minutes. And it really sets you up for the day. 
Yeah, I was one of those annoying smug people who works out in the morning. <laughs> but it was just yeah. like, I know a lot of people don't like going in the morning, but I actually do because it's the only thing that wakes me up and it really peps up your mood. And I'm, you know, I really need that now because I don't have, I, I can't, you know, when you wake up in the morning, I don't have to go to work or go to the gym. I'm in lockdown with my parents. So I've got some old oh, weights wow, okay. in their dusty garage. I'm really, I try to be positive, but I'm really dreading going into that dusty garage every day. It's, it's kind of doing my head in <laughs> at this point, but it's, it's going to be a long time before it's safe to go back to a gym, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately, I think it is. Yeah, I, we looked at, uh, me and my, my partner looked at buying some weights just as lockdown happened. And then the prices so of weights expensive. went skyrocketed. Yeah. Uh, mm. and, and then funnily enough, I found some big rocks in the garden. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so I've been, I've been improvising with those, holding those while I do squats and things. Well, that's good. That's very resourceful of you. Because, yeah, I looked at some weights last week. I was going to buy two eight kilo dumbbells. Mm. They were like 80, 90 euro just for the two weights. So like if I had to buy a whole kit of them from like two kilos up to 20 kilos or 22 kilos, I'm looking at a couple of hundred close to a thousand pounds. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's it's incredibly crazy so I'm, I'm grateful of my my rocks in the garden <laughs> yeah i need to be more creative with my workouts because gyms must be there'd be a hotbed for spreading germs and viruses and people touching equipment and yeah i'll have to have like one of those carry around trays like the, you know you see cleaners <laughs> they carry their cleaning products yeah. with them i'll have to have one of those when i'm exercising <laughs> But anyway, it's not about me. We're here today to talk about you, Lewis. Sorry about that. (laughs) Your book, which I have on pre-order at the moment, and I'm very much looking forward to. You've been writing for years now. I know that. But what inspired Mm. you to write a book specifically about pride? Well, the way that it came about, actually, uh, it was a kind of a lot of luck and a lot of chance. I work in publishing, in book publishing, mm, yeah. uh, and uh, have done for 15-ish years. Uh, and I just had an idea and said to my publisher, you know, Pride is huge these days. And there's a lot of people that attend Pride who maybe don't know all about the history of Pride and about the history of mm. queer culture and the way that our rights came about. There are books out there on it. There definitely are good books, but I felt like there there should be a bite-sized one. So my idea was to put all that history, take out little bite-sized chunks, the need to know information. So instead of having to pick up, you know, some people don't want to pick up a a 250 page book and read solid text all the way from beginning to end, uh, especially not in this day and age of social media and having everything when we want it so my my idea was was to make it bite-sized and short and snappy so you know two three pages on Marsha P Johnson you know two three pages on the Wolfenden report a page on why Lady Gaga is an ally uh, that kind of stuff so make it bite-sized and accessible (laughs) are you enjoying the new album yes I actually am I think it's really really strong really consistent it's it feels really 90s Mm. I definitely am someone who needs to learn more and more about my community's history. So it's it's perfect for someone like me. So do you see yourself as more of a nonfiction writer or do you ever do stories? 
Uh, well, the very first thing that I wrote and got published was uh, a short story. When I was 18, uh, I was published in a anthology that was published by the Gay Times. Um, this was okay, a long cool. time ago now. <laughs> this was yeah. t- almost 20 years ago now. And that was fiction. And I enjoyed writing fiction. And I thought I would continue writing fiction. Uh, and then I think I had another pub- another short story published, which was again fiction. But now it's gone to kind of factual history uh, but yeah I think I I think there's a novel in everyone isn't there isn't that what they say is it a book in everyone uh yeah I suppose it's that actually but yeah I, I would I would like to write a novel a fictional novel as well but I don't know when and how that would come about it must be really daunting because I have zero talent for writing a story that's why I said I absolutely could not write a novel like even in primary right. school or in secondary school when the English teacher gave us assignments to write an essay I always did a discussion essay yeah. I just cannot I've right. Even I think I'm overstretching myself and I'm always willing to give things a go. I just never have ideas for stories. Not a story person at all. So I'm really in awe of people who can write stories. Yeah, I'm in awe of people who write things like crime uh, and mystery stories because Mm. for me, when when, when I think I write something that is fictional, I just kind of sit down and type away and it just all comes as I go you know as I'm typing but I think with those crime and mystery and those types you have to have a plan you have to know you have to trick people into thinking it's one person and then you have to have a a twist at the end so it's they're already planned it out that that's daunting to me (laughs) yeah there has to be a lot of research done before you sit down and get going doesn't there yeah yeah although writing my tiny little book uh because it's historical the amount of research I had to do (laughs) was quite quite intimidating at first but also really fascinating and the artwork is great I love the artwork yeah it's it's, um actually it was uh, it was stock artwork so we found these amazing images my publishers found these amazing uh images kind of faceless people little characters my doorbell is ringing (laughs) do you want to get it yeah yeah Yeah, 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 go ahead yeah it's fine don't worry Hi there. Yep, that's me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, I'm back. No, it's fine. Don't wait. Is there some birds singing <laughs> in the background? I've got the door open the gut to the garden. Is that okay or would that be better short? <laughs> Yeah, could you mind? Sorry, I'm sounding really pedantic because I can just hear no, a bird fine. tweeting, which is normally really nice. Yeah. No, I sound like some really miserable person who doesn't want to hear birds singing. No, that's all right. I've shut the door now. I think it was just because the dog <laughs> went out, but he's he's been out. And I've got my post now. The post is around. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. So let's go back to the beginning. So you grew up in Derby in a town called Chesterfield, which I just Googled. So it was a relatively mid-sized town. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, it's Derbyshire. So it's Derbyshire is the county. And oh. I lived in Chesterfield. So what was it like for you growing up in Chesterfield in the 90s? It was very kind of boring for somebody who was discovering that they were gay um, at a young age and seeing things on TV and reading things in magazines about more exciting things that were going on and and you just being stuck in a tiny little what what would to me at the time was a tiny town I mean there's a lot of towns that are 
a lot smaller and a lot more remote. But it was kind of dull is how I, I remember most of it. And what was your awareness of homosexuality at the time? Uh, I mean, I was really aware of it uh, from kind of 12, 13, uh, I would say. And I think, so I watched a lot of TV uh, and a lot of movies when I was growing up. My mum is a, a huge fan of films and soap operas. And Same homosexuality was, yeah, homosexuality was touched on in the soap operas and also you'd see it in movies. To be honest, I can't remember, you know, when I very first became aware of what homosexuality was, but I was yeah. always always aware of it, always aware of it, as far as I as back as I can remember. I should probably mention my so my my dad is gay, okay. and my mum told me about him at an early age, so I'd say twelve, thirteen. So I was already aware of homosexuality before I found out about my dad. Okay. And then obviously I I came out later. So were your parents separated then or? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they uh, they were together and married and had me. And then years later, they split up. And then uh, a few years after that, my dad came out as gay. So you had a positive gay role model in your life then? I did indeed. I was very, very lucky with that. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, I guess at the time I was just kind of, it was all a bit confusing for me being 12, 13, discovering that dad was gay. And obviously I must have been, well, I know that for sure that I was becoming aware of the fact that I was different and, you know, probably looking at boys. Finding out that my dad was gay when I was 12, 13, and then obviously at that time, I would have been coming to terms with the fact that I was different and was having gay feelings. So it was it was kind of confusing at the time, but then in the long term, it was amazing having a gay dad and having someone there to, you know, help you along the way and give you advice and all that kind of stuff. It was brilliant. Yeah, that'd be great to have someone there you can go to and ask their opinion on things and someone who you can get all that wisdom and advice from. So yeah. when did you first have an inkling that you might be gay? Uh, it's really difficult to, to answer that question, I think. Yeah, I, it's in a definitive just, moment. Yeah, I always, I, I my earliest memories are I always kind of think I liked boys, so I don't know anything before that, really. But one of the the earliest things I remember is watching Baywatch, and that great program from the nineties. Uh, but there was a couple in Baywatch before Pamela Anderson and another and the guy whoever she was with in the program. Before they were in it, there was another couple who were super pretty in young twenties. I think they were called Ed, Eddie and Summer, and uh, I used yes. to watch. Do you remember that? <laughs> Yeah, the, the faces um, are coming back to me. So they were both gorgeous uh, in their 20s. And I used to watch the programme and look at them and think about how pretty they were, how great it was being in a relationship under their ideal bodies. And they live by the beach and they're American. I've always kind of been an, an Americana fan generally. So they just looked ideal to me. And, and then I remember thinking, actually, I'm kind of thinking about him more than her. And, and that age, I was probably, you know, 10, so... Okay, so relatively early on. Yeah, yeah. So did you go through a long questioning period? Uh, I wouldn't say it was long. I'd just say 
it was a it was a little a little questioning period really I, I yeah I, I wouldn't say it was long I think I pretty much as soon as I started to have these feelings I kind of figured it out and thought oh okay so this is <laughs> this is this is what I am it was the questioning was probably more about telling people that realization that you just described between the the man and the woman I think I sort of had yeah. realized that when I was 13 but then right yeah I think I've been thinking like that along those lines since I was four or five but I didn't realize that I was gay I just thought I wanted to be friends with the boy or that I just wanted right. him to you know to hang out with him or something so yeah during those years, were you subjected to any sort of homophobic bullying in school? Um, yeah, so I, when I came out, I actually came out at 14, so I was still at school. And even before coming out, you know, there's kids that would just call you gay, gay boy. That's so brave of you. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt kind of stupid at the time after I'd done it, but <laughs> yeah, no, I... I, I and actually, it's it's strange because I remember the reason I did it and the reason I told a couple of friends was because even at that point, even at 14 years old, I was frustrated that I would not was not being myself around my friends and I couldn't say certain oh. things that I wanted to say and I couldn't be who I wanted to be. And that was even at 14. So I must have been fully <laughs> aware of what I was at, you know, 12, 13. Yeah, and it was also, so even before I came out, because I didn't like football. I was what the Me you know too. I was friends with all the girls. I was friends with all the girls. I was like the typical boy that you would point out in a school and be like, oh well, he's going to be gay, you know. So they even they they would they they told me they would believe me before tell tell me I was a bum boy and a gay boy, you know, before I I was telling them. That is incredibly brave because you're the same age as me. So this was sort of in the turn of the millennium. This was late 90s, early noughties. I think you're the first person I've spoke to on this podcast who came out as a teenager and in school. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's incredible. I'm 39 this year. So at 14, uh, that would have been 1995. Yeah. 1995. I know that's not that long ago, really. But in terms of how society has changed and the attitudes towards the LGBTQ community, Mm. the socio-cultural shifts have been enormous in that time period, whereas now it might be relatively common. But back then, that would have been virtually unheard of. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. There was definitely nobody else out in my school and actually, at that time, Section Twenty Eight was still in place. So, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know about Section Twenty Eight at that time. Good. What it was, I don't. I don't think I'd even heard about it. Being fourteen years old, but looking back, then teachers really weren't supposed to kind of help me in that situation. If you see what mm. I mean, because they could have been accused of promoting homosexuality Uh, and I actually did go to uh, a couple of teachers with a friend and said because I was having problems uh, in the changing rooms in particular at PE time I was because that that was probably the scariest time because I was away from all my friends because all my friends were girls and you'd have to go into the changing room and all the boys were around and you know they'd 
wouldn't want to be near me and they'd call me the names and whatever mm. and you know there's nobody there to protect you and I so I, I took one of my friends to I think it was our head of year and said I've come out this is happening to me in the changing rooms is there anything you know can you help me out <laughs> kind of thing and they said they would talk to the PE teacher and get the PE teacher to hang around in the changing rooms uh, so that there was no trouble, if you see what I mean. So, that, I mean, the, the, the head of year was, was a really nice guy, so he, he was great. The PE teacher, I think, hung around for one PE lesson <laughs> in the changing so rooms and then never again. <laughs> was the PE teacher a man or a woman? The PE teacher was, was a guy, yeah, he was a man. And I guess what he'd been told, you know, like Lewis is getting bullied in the change rooms because he's come out. So you need to make sure that there's no bullying or fighting or whatever. I'm totally in awe of how of your courage because I couldn't even fathom. I was terrified during those years of just letting it slip out of my mouth or just saying it by accident. So, yeah, no, that that really is incredible. But you would love to say to some of those lads, I don't know where that ignorance comes from, that every gay guy fancies every straight guy and it's so irritating you just you it's just really galling you just want to say don't flatter yourself I don't want to go anywhere Mm. near you trust me that is not a problem so you were in the mixed school yes yes I was in a mixed school thank god I don't know what I would have done if I would have been in an all boys school uh one thing I always say about I think one of the reasons I was so lucky at school, because although I did get bullied, uh, I was never actually physically attacked. Like nobody beat me up. It was always just the names and like the threats and things. But I was, my my best friend was one of the most popular girls in my year. Her name was Lizzie and I'm still friends with her today and she's awesome. My granny's name. Yay. <laughs> Lizzie's a good name. Elizabeth yeah, Lizzie. a really good name. Uh, like I say she was one of the most popular girls in my year and so me being her best friend meant that all the girls were fine anyway but then most of the boys they would think oh well we can't we can't beat him up because then Lizzie won't like us that's why I'm eternally grateful for Lizzie. Lizzie sounds great I wish I had a friend like Lizzie. (laughs) Lizzie was like a real LGBTQ ally. She was completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, she was funnily enough. The friends that I came out to when I was fourteen, she was one of the last that I told. I think probably because she was one of the closest people to me, and I was worried that if I told her and there was a problem, then you don't want to lose your closest ally. Yeah. You see, but yeah, she was she was more than fine with it. She was she was totally cool. But yeah, so I'm so I'm very eternally grateful to Lizzie for. All those boys not beating me up because they wanted to give her a snog behind the bike sheds. Because, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned there that's one of the huge risks people take with coming out. Your relationships and your friendships could irrevocably change. You just don't know how some people are going to respond. So did you, was there a very small town atmosphere where you grew up? Were other people that you went to school with, were they aware that your dad was gay? Yes, there, there was a very small town mentality. Aside, aside from my dad, I didn't know any gay people at all. Uh, I'd not even heard of any gay people like in, in Chesterfield. And at school, yes, I, I've actually, if you think about it now, that's probably where some of the gay boy taunts 
started because I, you know, told a friend about my dad finding out that my dad was gay. And then that friend told another friend, you know what I mean? So, yeah, they did know. People knew at school about that. And yet, but yeah, like I say, it, it was a very small town mentality and I didn't know anybody uh, who was gay. And actually what I do remember is the very, very first person I told that I was gay was a girl who sat next to me in my French class and her her mum was a teacher. She was telling me this in French. Her mum was a teacher and her she mentioned that her mum had a gay student uh, and this was at a different school. This wasn't at my school. Mm, yeah. And then I just started asking. Lo- I just started asking loads of questions because I was fascinated that somebody I knew knew a gay person, like a, a young gay person, you yeah. know, somebody who was at school and who was out at school. Obviously, they exist. Yeah, exactly. It was. Li- I, and I was just asking her loads of questions, like, "Oh, well, how do you know? What, what's he saying? What's he like?" And blah blah blah. And then she just said to me, "Why are you asking all these questions?" And I said, "Because I'm gay." And that was the first person I told. And we weren't even particularly close. She was just somebody I sat next to in front. No, sometimes I really wish that I had went to a mixed school. I think it would have been a bit easier those years. Oh, but, wow. So who did you come out to? Was it that girl? Or did you come out to your friends before you came out to your parents? Uh, yes, I came out to my friends before parents. So it was there was the girl in French in in the French class, and then I think I told a couple of close friends, and then it got out um, to the wider group. Got out to the wider group, and then it just kind of everybody in school knew because I was that one gay kid. So it was kind of big. That's kind of a big news event in a <laughs> in a school in a in a, a smallish town back in 1995 so kind of everybody knew that I was that gay kid wow 1995 (laughs) sorry carry on no and then and then uh actually what happened was that was when I started to get bullied and a cousin of mine was at school and she told her mum what why I was getting bullied and then uh her mum who's was an auntie by marriage uh her mum told my mum she said they had a conversation and she said you know why he's getting bullied at school right and my mum said oh yeah 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 yeah," because she wanted to find out and then my cousin's mum said because he's telling people that he's gay so that's how my mum found out so I didn't actually come out to her direct she found out from someone else and how did she respond she I think we were, I think we were talking about the bullying thing, me and my mum, and she said, I think she told me, she said to me, she said, I know why they're bullying you. And she said, because you're telling people that you're gay, aren't you? And I, was, I said, yes. Uh, and she just kind of said, are you sure? You know, are, are, you, are you certain? And I was like, yeah. She said, okay, then. Uh, and I don't really remember much of the conversation after that it was just very I think the concern there was more about the bullying than me being gay that was her primary concern and did she tell your dad she did (laughs) so I didn't come out to either of my parents (laughs) so then yeah so like I said my my parents were separated but she I think must have called my dad and said he's getting bullied at school because he's telling people he's gay 
and then so I would see my dad kind of every weekend every other weekend and I remember the first time he was going to come and pick me up for the weekend after she told him that I was gay I was so Mm. nervous about seeing him because uh, I think that was also when he learned that I knew that he was gay so it was kind of a huge deal the fact that uh, he found out that I was gay he'd found out that I knew he was gay it would be the first time that we talked about any of it and it was really quite daunting but it turned out to be a really lovely supportive conversation he he was great you know he was he just said as long as you're sure because uh, it's not I think he said something like it's not the easiest life so you know as long as you're sure that's what you are he even did the um even being a, a gay man himself he even said as long as it's not a phase so, which is kind of odd to think that but I guess he just wanted to make sure yeah, and then he was being protective he was just super of supportive. yeah oh yeah. good so you both kind of came out to each other at the same time that's lovely yeah, it was. It, it, I, I just remember being really terrified about seeing him for the first time and that conversation. And then afterwards thinking how relieved I was and how how great it was. And you don't have any siblings, do you? Uh, I do. I have a sister. Yes, I do. I have a sister, a younger sister. OK, so you couldn't really speak to her about it. She would. Yeah, she would have been super young at the time. There's seven yeah. years between us. So she would. Yeah. But, the, but but my sister now is one of my biggest allies. She's completely wonderful, oh, goes to pride, goes to pride events, even when I'm not there. And what I always think about about my sister is that she's always known that I was gay kind of right from growing up. Nobody's ever said nobody sat her down and said, Lewis is gay. Do you know what I mean? It's just always been a part of yeah, because yeah, I have a similar situation. Yeah. My sister is six or seven years younger than me, but she's the person who I'd be right. closest to in my family. But at the same age, like yeah. similar growing up, I couldn't talk to her about those issues because she was just a kid. Yeah. So when I was a teenager, yeah. so it's kind of similar situation. So after you came yeah. out at secondary school, how many more years mm. did you have in that school? Um, I uh, originally stayed on, so I coming out at 14 and then GCSEs at 16, so that was two years, yeah. but then I originally intended to stay on and do my A-levels there. Uh, and then after a couple of months, I was there and I just thought to myself, why am I here? Uh, this place hasn't been, you know, great. I, I had some lovely times there. I had some great teachers, uh, you know, some great friends, but I just thought, I don't need to still be here. Why am I still here? And then so I left. And I, uh, so I, I was only there for a couple of years. So I left at 16, got a job, and then went back to education later. Oh, so you did your A levels someplace else? Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. I actually did my A levels after a couple of years working in Sheffield, which is down the road from Chesterfield. After a couple of years working there, I, at 18, moved to Blackpool, which is where my dad lived, uh, and which uh, the place in the late 90s early 90s had a fantastic gay scene so I moved there to live with my dad and to start college and did my A-levels there and that was great those were great years <laughs> so was that really your first introduction to the gay community when you moved to Blackpool funnily enough it wasn't even as tiny as my hometown Chesterfield was it had a gay night not a gay bar or, or actually I think it might have even had one gay bar but a gay night and that was on a Wednesday so <laughs> on a Wednesday 
there would be, I think, two bars and a club in the town that would go gay for the night. And obviously everybody in Chesterfield would go there every week. So you would see the same people every week. And it, it was, but it was, it was something, you know, it, it was, it was super fun. You know, I had a couple of friends who I could go there with. So you had some gay teenage experiences. I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so my favourite question, who were your teenage crushes? So I ask everybody this question <laughs> because I'm determined to make up for all of the time I spent spent closeted during those years and couldn't speak about boys. So yeah. who did you fancy when you were growing up? Oh, wow. Um, it would... <laughs> well, there was the Eddie from Baywatch. Uh, oh, of course. I'm going to Google him now. <laughs> yeah, definitely have a look. Uh, he was a cutie. Definitely Eddie from Baywatch. And then I... So Let like me I Google him earlier, now. I... I'm going to Google him. <laughs> have a look. See what you think. Let me know. He was quite baby-faced. Yeah, I he think. was handsome. Let me see yeah. what today... His name was Billy Warlock. Okay, so Billy let's Warlock, see Billy yeah. Warlock today. Billy Warlock 2020. Where is he now? Because I think mm. that girl, he's had a relationship with her. They they went out together in real life. Exactly. Yeah, they were together on the show and they were together in real life. It was the uh, it was the Scott and Charlene of Baywatch. I think they're still together. I've just seen a photo of the two of them and it says, I think it's in Spanish, but it's like, oh, maybe it's the 30th anniversary of the show. But there's a photo oh, okay. of them together with their arms around each other. Oh, my God. I feel old now. He's got, like, grey hair. <laughs> Is really he still old. attractive? Yeah, he's a bit of a silver fox. He's a bit of a daddy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'll look him up now, then. I'll Google what he looks like now, then. <laughs> That's actually one of my favourite things now when I'm supposed to be working. I end up Googling TV stars or pop stars from 20, 30 years ago and try to find yeah. out where they are now. Yeah, yeah. no, he's a, he's a good choice. Anybody else yeah. you fancied? Any other any other Baywatch stars? Did you fancy the Hoff? Oh, God, no. I mean, not, I mean, no. not, at, <laughs> not when I was 14 and I wasn't looking at the Hoff thinking, yeah, he's the guy for me. No. <laughs> but the, um, yeah, the other guy, the other guys that I did like, uh, like I said earlier, I was, obsessed with soap operas and movies uh so eastenders paul nichols in eastenders um yeah he was really handsome everybody loved him and i think that was that was late 90s i fancied him even though i didn't know that i fancied him i didn't realize that's what it was but yeah yeah i liked looking at his face a lot god i'm just a bit slow really i mean it was overwhelming evidence that i was gay and it just didn't click with me for a very long time yeah so did you fancy anyone in take that um oh yeah i did actually i actually was one of those early adopters of gary obviously everybody thinks gary's attractive now but i remember thinking that he was a cute cute one (laughs) all those years ago uh, and I think everybody loved Mark Owen as well. Yeah, so cute at that and time. All, all my girlfriends did. Yeah, all my girlfriends loved Mark, Mark Owen. All the typical ones. I used to get the magazine, I think it was called Big. Oh, was, I used to um, buy it every fortnight. Yeah, and that was one, that was the one that was kind of like unisex, wasn't it? Because just 17, and there was another one that was mm. kind of, they were aimed at girls. And obviously, yes. I felt like I couldn't buy that because I would be picked on even more. Uh, so I would buy, I would buy big and that used to have the posters in and like smash hits as well, probably. Oh, memories. I'm getting all nostalgic now. <laughs> 
That's great. Remember when we used to have print magazines? <laughs> yeah. No, I used to buy them because <laughs> Smash Hits would be one week, then Big would be the next week. So they'd be both fortnightly. Oh, right. Yeah, I didn't buy any of the Just 17 magazines because that was more focused on girls' issues and relationships. Yeah. Whereas Smash Hits yeah, and exactly. Big were more music and entertainment. So yeah. How do you think growing up gay has impacted you long term? How do you think it's contributed to the person you've become today? I think it impacted hugely on me because I think it was the thing that possibly pushed me to leave my hometown. First of all, from Chesterfield moving to Blackpool, A, because I wanted to you know, live with my dad, but because I knew there was a big gay scene there. And when I moved there at 18 for a couple of years, I was great. I had the time of my life. I was, there was like two big gay clubs and, you know, five or six gay bars and gay people that just lived in the area. And it was just amazing. So, so I would say that, uh, yeah, <laughs> so I would say that it influenced me because it pushed me, pushed me to go to Blackpool because there were bigger and better things there for me and then again pushed me down to London I would say these are definitely linked with the fact that I was looking for a gay scene a gay community gay people so that has had a huge impact on me. So what would you say now so with the benefit of hindsight and with all the with the life experience that you've accumulated what would you say to your 13 14 year old self who was thinking about and who was really fearful of coming out of the closet mm. I, like I said I was super lucky to have supportive friends supportive family for it to go really well but I was you know I was still nervous at that time about 14 to, to tell people still really nervous but what I would say to me back then is keep do it it's going to be great like life is only going to get better once you've done it and it did I think it was Stonewall who had that as a slogan maybe about 10 years ago or something and it really resonated with me and it just made me think this is so true you know I was a young boy in a small town thinking oh I don't know any gay people I don't know this you know what's going to happen and you just need to be told you're like it gets better life is great you'll go on pride marches if you so wish you know, you'll make great friends, friends like you, you'll meet people like you. There's supportive communities. There's so many groups that you can join. You know, if you're a rower, if you like rowing, you can join a gay rowing team. If you like reading, join a gay book group or a straight book group. It's just, it's just, you know, it's, I just think it, that message of it's get it gets better once you're out and you're living your life could be a lot wider spread so that young kids know that it does life gets great yeah i mean it is a really really important reminder and it's it's so important that people keep saying it i mean obviously there's still going to be challenges up ahead but when you're an adolescent and your world is really small you really internalize everything and when you don't have that life mm. experience and you haven't everything's really heightened when you're an adolescent and it does things improve so much when you get out in the world and when you have yeah. your, you know freedom to live where you want and build your own family and your own community around you things do get so much better and yeah as you say yourself I think it's it's important that we we keep saying that yeah you're right the the thing that you just said about building your own family and friends is 
when you're at school you're you're forced to be with those couple of hundred kids mm. every day that you don't want to be around you don't want yeah. to hang out with these people but you're forced to be with them for your entire teenage years so that yeah you're right that message of being able to to be with who you want to be to to choose your support group and your friends is is brilliant Yes, yes, very, very true. Lewis, thank you so much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure chatting to you. I'm really bowled over by your bravery, by 15-year-old Lewis's bravery. Thank you. It's incredible. (laughs) Thank you. It's been really lovely to talk about that. (laughs) No, genuinely, it sounds really a bit cheesy and Oprah-ish, but that's so inspiring because I've never talked to anybody who came out as a 15-year-old in the 90s. That really is incredible so i'll let you get back to your day and let you get back to to jimmy the dog jimmy the dog yeah he yeah he's had a walk this morning so he's okay he's having a nap now because he is 17 so (laughs) really that's incredible so let me add that up how what is that in dog years that's 17 7 749 so he's like 120 nearly he's 119 yeah is it seven dog years for every year Seven dog years. Yeah, apparently. Time. Something like that. Yeah, seven Wow, Jimmy is that. incredible. Oh, amazing. <laughs> he and is indeed. He's, he's lovely. He really is. And best of luck with the book. I'm really looking forward to reading it at the end of June. And best of luck with all of your future projects and endeavours. Thank you very much.